Red Rocks Church. Can you make some noise if you're excited to be in church? Hey, before you're seated, before you're seated, before you're seated, give five people a high five and tell them I'm really glad you're here. While we're greeting one another, I want to say what's up to Lakewood, Arvada, Brussels, Austin, Texas, everybody watching online, and Red Rocks Church. Can we make some noise for the men and women at our God Behind Bars campuses this weekend? We love you guys. It's going to be a fun weekend. Before we get started, I just want to dump a little bit of fuel on the fire of what we're trying to accomplish over the next few weeks. It's really fun being able to be a part of a church that keeps reaching people, keeps growing, keeps reaching to new cities, keeps expanding, keeps adding campuses, but it kind of comes at the same time with a little bit of a burden, and um, we as pastors here feel that burden, and the burden is this. If Red Rocks Church would cease to exist, would our cities care? Not saying, would you care? You show up and the doors are locked and we're we're out of business, but would our city care? Like, would they notice that we're gone? And so one of the things that we're trying to accomplish with this Love Our City initiative is that we're really trying to mobilize our church to the best of our ability to make sure that our city knows that we love them, that we're for them, and that the best days of our city are ahead because our church is here. Anybody wanna be a part of that? Littleton does. One of the cool things that um, you might not know if you give here faithfully, many of you have given so generously over the years to our church. Um, During this initiative alone, we'll give away a little over $200,000 to blessing our local community, 501c3, nonprofit organizations, helping people in need, and that only happens because of your generosity. That's not our money. It's our money, and so thank you for giving, Um, and also, some of you don't know this, but every dollar that comes into Red Rocks Church, we give away 10%, so we, we tithe on the tithe and make sure that we can help bless churches start churches around the world, help nonprofit organizations, help people in our local communities that are in need, and that only happens because of your generosity. So I just wanna say thank you on behalf of our church. It is because people like you, that we get an opportunity to make a significant impact. And so over the next few weeks, Would you do me a favor, sign up this weekend to find a service project in our local community. Help us make a difference. I promise you that if we can get behind this as a church, we can literally see our city changed because of the church of Jesus Christ, and that's why we're here. So go online, um, get on our app. You can also check if you got one of these cards. You can also go to the URL on the back, loveourcity.org. I found out that .com is another thing. So go to loveourcity.org and you can get all the information that you need. Um, Also, if you're passionate about a specific ministry in our local area, you can actually start a service project there through our app, through online. So go and do that. Um, Also, some of you that have the gift of generosity, you're just like, if there's a need, let me give to it. Um, You can actually give directly to this initiative, and every dollar that you give goes to helping people in this community or whatever community you're watching in. You can do that through our app and also through online. Just go to the give section. If you're going to make it happen and make a difference this weekend, say, I'm in. Careful. Careful. We need to do better. If you're in, say, I'm in. 
There we go. Let's pray real quickly, and then we'll dive on in. God, I just pray this weekend that you would do something very special in our church. God, my, my heart is just bursting with some of the things that I feel like you've placed on my heart. And in particular, God, I want to speak to some people that feel like hope might be weak. God, their hope for their situation feels weak. Their hope for their future feels weak. Hope for their finances feel weak. God, hope for what is ahead feels weak. And God, they feel like they're stuck in this place. Stuck in there. They're almost stuck in like captivity. Stuck in bondage. Can't look forward. Can't have expectation for what is ahead. And God, I believe this weekend... Some of the narratives are going to change and some people are going to get their hope back this weekend. We pray all these things in the precious name of Jesus and everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen, amen. amen. If you believe that, lean to your neighbor and tell them this weekend's going to be good. This weekend is going to be good. This weekend, we're in week three of our series that we're calling Elements, and we're going to take a look at the um, particular elements of wind this weekend. And wind is, is pretty unique in scriptures because um, there's a, a word in particular in the Hebrew that's pretty applicable to a couple different elements, and, and it's the word ruah. And ruah, throughout scriptures, is the Hebrew word that can apply to wind, it can apply to breath, and it can apply to spirit. It's got a, a couple different facets, and depending on the context, it, it has different meanings. And in the passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this weekend, it actually utilizes every single one of the applications of this word. And it's, it's an interesting word, and, and God decides to use wind in this story in a very particular way. If you have your Bible, open up to Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 37. This is a passage that might be familiar to some. This is the passage of the prophet Ezekiel being taken to a valley called the Valley of Dry Bones. And what God's about to speak to this prophet is pretty interesting because during this time, Ezekiel's assignment is to speak to the children of God, the Israelites, like God's people. We could, we could also apply this to the church. He's there to encourage the people that are followers of God. And he, his goal is to draw them back into trusting in the Lord. Now, Ezekiel 36, the passage right before 37, I know, I'm smart. It says some pretty interesting things about the children of Israel. The, the children of Israel during this time, they're in captivity, they're in bondage. And, and Ezekiel 36 actually says that, that it feels as though all hope is gone. This is the Israelites speaking. And they felt like their nation was finished. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I feel stuck, those are the moments in my life where I am most susceptible to feeling hopeless. And this is where they are. They're feeling hopeless, but this isn't something that has fallen upon them whimsically. They're actually being judged by God because when they felt like God wasn't coming through, Ezekiel says that they began to stop placing their hope in the Lord. And it says that they decided when they're living in their own land to live by their own deeds and live by their own ways. And so here they are in captivity and it feels like all hope is lost. And Ezekiel 37 is this unbelievable narrative that is going to teach us how to get our hope back. 
So this weekend, if you might feel like your purpose, that you don't have necessarily a whole lot of hope about what's in store for your future. Like maybe you feel like some of the sin patterns that you're in right now probably keep you back. You're probably getting like second best, third best, fourth best of what God has to offer. This passage is gonna help us see a little bit differently and it's gonna teach us how to have a healthy level of hope. I wanna read something, if I may. In Ezekiel 36, God begins to prompt Ezekiel. Listen, I know that you are in captivity. I know that people feel like all their hope is gone. I know people are discouraged. They feel betrayed by God. Their their relationship with God feels like it is dry and dead and dormant. But he says, I'm going to actually do a great work in these people. They feel like it's dead, but I'm going to make this city and these people once again thrive. And he says, I'm going to make it like the Garden of Eden. Anybody remember the Garden of Eden in Genesis The very beginning of time, Adam and Eve are created. Everything is perfect. They have this communion with God, relationship with God. There is no sin. There is no pain. There is no torment. Life is good, and best of all, they get to be naked. (laughs) Keeping you on your toes. It's the Bible. But, but God says, listen, I'm going to restore this land, Israel. I'm going to restore you back to your prime, like back to better than you were before. I'm going to make you like the Garden of Eden. And people are going to come from the surrounding areas, and they're going to be able to take notice of what I have done. And then he makes a promise. In Ezekiel 36, 36, God Almighty says this. He says, I am the Lord. And then he says, I have spoken and I will do it. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. The prophet Ezekiel is going to teach you and I how to function, how to have hope when what our reality looks like doesn't necessarily line up with what God said. Have you ever felt that? You come to church on a weekend, the preacher preaches, and you feel all fired up, and he yells at you and spits on you because you're sitting in the front row, and you leave fired up, but then Monday comes, and you're like, this doesn't look like anything like what he was saying. Like, am I not doing this thing right? God, have you abandoned me? Like, what's going on? This doesn't feel like what you said it should feel like, and this doesn't look like what you said it should look like, and then your hope begins to waver. This is where Ezekiel is going to find himself. This is where the children of Israel are going to find themselves. And he's about to learn that if God said it, then he'll do it. If God said it, then he'll do it. If you're sitting next to somebody that you like, lean over and tell them the title of my message. The title of my message this weekend is Confessions of a Healthy Hope. Confessions of a healthy hope. It's quiet at Littleton. I guess they're not sitting by people they like. (laughs) Here's what I want to do this weekend. In these moments where you feel like your hope is wavering, the Bible says our hope should be steadfast. And I just want to give us three confessions that we can proclaim over our life and over our hope that will help us live with a healthy hope. I want to start in Ezekiel 37, verse 1. 
Ezekiel's just received this prophetic word from God that he's gonna restore the people of Israel. He's gonna restore their land. He's gonna cause them to multiply and be blessed. And then the next chapter says this. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me in verse one, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. It was full of bones. It's interesting. Sometimes God will lead you places that you didn't think that he would ever lead you. He'll take you through things that you're going, God, why would you ever take me through this? This man is a prophet. He is God's man. He honors God and God leads him by the spirit through a valley that was full of bones. And in verse two, it says, he led me back and forth. Ever felt like you're stuck in a situation for too long? He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones. Tell your neighbor, a great many, he said. A great many. I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And then this is interesting. He, he, he looks at him and said, son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel reflects back to God and he said, sovereign Lord, meaning one who intervenes in my day-to-day life, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now let's think about this for a second because Ezekiel's been in a place where he has been a prophet to a nation that has turned a deaf ear to his commands, to his decrees, to his calling people back into their hope in God. They just turned a deaf ear. They haven't listened. And God looks at him and says, listen, look it out into this valley of dry bones because this is a picture of Israel's hope. It is dead. And it even says it is so dead that the bones are very dry, meaning it's been dead for a while. And he looks at Ezekiel, a man that's been honoring God, trying to call people back into repentance, trying to call the church back into repentance. They have turned a deaf ear, and he says, do you think these can live again? Like, do you think that these dead bones can, can get skin back on and, be, and come alive again? Do you think that can happen? And being a smart man, Ezekiel says, sovereign Lord, <laughs> surely only you know, a.k.a. I haven't got a clue. It doesn't look like it. They're not only dead, but they've been bleached by the sun. They're very, very, very dry bones. The bones in this picture are an image of Israel's hope. And here Ezekiel is. He is stuck in a valley between what he sees and what God has told him. What's interesting is for those of us that follow Jesus Christ... Our hope is always going to be tested in that place where we're stuck between what we see and what God has said. So if you ever want to know why your hope is being tested, ask yourself, am I caring more about what I see or more about what he said? Ezekiel 37 continues, and it says this. In verse three, it says, so he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. And he's about to teach us our first confession. If you have your notes, which you should, everybody that's a Christian should be taking notes. (laughs) Pastor Sean told me to say it. 
write this down. Confession number one, if you feel like your hope is under attack, if you feel like your hope is dying, if it feels like it is drowning, if it feels like it is perishing and wavering before you, here's one thing that you need to speak over your situation. And confession number one is this. My hope is my expectation for what God has promised. So many of us, we like to put our hope in a lot of different things. We like to put our hope in our finances, and it's really easy when stuff is good. Like anybody that's got money in the stock market right now, I mean, it's, it is skyrocketing. It is doing great right now. And you can put your hope in the stock market, but there's a day that's coming when it's not going to do so hot, and your hope will dwindle. He's saying, listen, what is your hope in? Because there's going to come a time when what God has promised to Christ followers and what you see doesn't necessarily add up. It doesn't necessarily line up. You have to make sure that your hope is just a simple expectation for what God has promised. Let me explain a little more. Ezekiel 37 verse four, he goes on. Then he said to me, this is God speaking to Ezekiel. He said, prophesy, Ezekiel. Which for those of you that aren't churchy, that's just God saying, would you just say what I'm going to say? Would you just tell them what I'm going to tell you? And he says, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. God, bones don't have ears. Prophesy to the bones. And listen, this is what I want you to tell them. Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. God's in the process of fulfilling a promise. And he says, I want you to speak to your situation. Let me give you a spoiler alert. Bones don't have ears, but I want you to speak this, not to the situation necessarily, but to your own soul. Because if you want to have hope, you better know what God says. He says, hear the word of the Lord But how many of us, when our hope is wavering, we want to hear from everybody else? Like my hope for my identity, that I'm secure and I'm a child of God and he loves me and I can't do anything to separate me from his love. When that becomes threatened, I start running into all these relationships and I'm like, can you tell me that I'm loved? Can you tell me that I'm good looking because I don't feel attractive right now? Can Can you tell me that I'm valuable? We oftentimes want to run every which way trying to find validation for something that God just goes, you just need to hear what I have to say. Can you just quiet the noise? I wonder, do you need to quiet the noise? Do you you need to make sure that you're closing off from all the other voices around going, God, I don't know how it's necessarily going to happen, but I just need to know what you think about me. I just need to know what you think about my situation. I need to know just what you think about my purpose and the plans that you have for me, declares the Lord, because he has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and give you a future. He says, speak to the dry bones and tell them to hear the Lord. Speak to the dry bones and tell them that they need to hear the Lord. I love what it goes on to say. In Hebrews 6.18, God has this characteristic that is revealed through the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul says this. This is so amazing because it gives us hope for taking God at his word. He says this in Hebrews 6.18. He says, it's impossible for God to lie. 
impossible. God, God, I thought you said that all things were possible with you. You're telling me there's something that you cannot do. Yes. The Bible says that it is impossible for God to lie, meaning when he says it, he means it. And it says, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, meaning Christ's followers, those of us that have given our lives to Christ, he says, we can take great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. For people that wanna have hope, it's saying, listen, because God cannot lie, this is really, really, really good news. Because God cannot lie, it means that what he tells you, he's gonna make it happen. He's gonna see it through to completion. And he says, for those of us that have run to Jesus for refuge, we can hold to the hope that lies before us. And verse 19 says this, and if this doesn't sound like food for your own soul, I don't know what it is. It says this, this hope, what hope? The one that God's not gonna change his mind. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. So here's Ezekiel. He's stuck in this valley, this place of indecision between what he sees and what God has said. And God goes, listen, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna sound really crazy. Talk to the bones. I want you to talk to the situation in front of you that is seemingly impossible. I want you to talk to it. I want you to tell it to listen to the word of the Lord. And the good news is whatever I say, my word is my bond. If he said it, Red Rocks Church then he'll do it. I wonder what situation in your life have you wavered from what God has said because you just couldn't quite see it that way. I wonder where has your hope and your trust and your faith in God wavered because it just didn't seem like he was doing anything. Hebrews says we can make it an anchor of our soul that what God says he will do. The first confession is that my hope is my expectation for what God has promised. It is not in anything else. I put my hope in what he's promised. Why? Because he's gonna be faithful. That leads us to, to confession number two. Please write this down. The strength of my hope. How do I make sure this doesn't waver? The strength of my hope is not in what I see. It's in his faithfulness. The strength of my hope, the thing that keeps it from bending, the thing that keeps it from breaking is not necessarily what I see, it's in his faithfulness. Let me explain. Have you ever been in a situation that you get into and you're like, oh no, this went bad real fast. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it out of this in one piece. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to make it out of this alive. I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of this without going into bankruptcy. I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of this without going into divorce. I don't know if I'm gonna make it out of this until fill the blank. Situation seems real bad. And then something happens. A little bit of time passes and you step out of the situation. And you're like, I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. And then you, you, you move and you, you go a little further and then you walk into another situation that you're like, not again. Like, this keeps happening to me. Like, I thought when I followed Christ, this sort of stuff wasn't supposed to happen, but here I am. And then you step out of it. And now I'm still alive. 
And then you step into another situation and you're like, again, when is life going to be easy and simple and peaceful and perfect? When is my hope not going to be tested? When is my faith not going to be tested? And then you step out of it and you're like, I made it. I made it. There's something that God proves along the lines. And what Ezekiel is about to find out is that my, my hope, the strength of my hope is not necessarily in what I see. Because what we see living in a fallen world goes everywhere. But he's saying, listen, there's a, there's a strength to your hope. And it is not found in what you see. It is found in God's faithfulness. That when you were in this moment, he got you out. And then when you were in this moment, he got you out. And when, when I royally screwed up my life, he delivered me. And when I, when I sinned against him time and time and time again, he forgave me. There seems to be a consistent flow that every time I get in a sticky situation, he's there and he sees me through. He's faithful, friends. And if you want to have a hope that is unwavering, you have to know it is not based on what you see. But you got to root it in his faithfulness. Ezekiel 37, four continues on. It says, then he said to me, prophesy to the bones. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse five says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. This situation, this thing that is holding me back. This is what the spirit of God says to these bones. He says, I will make breath. And this is the first time that that Hebrew word ruah comes onto the scene. The word for breath also means wind. And it also means spirit. And he says, I will make breath enter you. And then he goes on and he says, and you will come to life, a.k.a. I'm going to breathe upon the dead situation in your life, the thing that seemed hopeless, and I'm going to cause your hope to be hopeful again. And then he goes on and he says in verse six, I will attach tendons to you and I will make flesh come upon you and I will cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Have you ever been in a situation where God for a moment intervened into your story and he, he gave you a newfound hope and a passion and a zeal and you're like, yes, he's real. He's alive, right? Like I got a victory. He's going, listen, I'm gonna do that and you're gonna know without a shadow of a doubt that I am alive. And then it goes on. Verse seven says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. It's good to do what he says. He said, and as I was prophesying, as I was prophesying, as I was declaring what God said over my situation, as the words were coming out of my mouth, there was a noise. Like as the words were still fumbling out of my mouth, it said there was a noise. It said a rattling sound, and then look what happens. The bones came together, bone to bone. Like there was this situation where he's looking out over a landscape. Place yourself in the feet of Ezekiel. Like, like place yourself in this moment. You got a valley. It's full of dry, dead, sun-bleached bones. And as you're just declaring, like, God, this feels really stupid. 
the bones begin to rattle. I wonder, do you need to begin to speak something different? Do you need to have a new confession over your situation? Because some of you, as you begin to confess some things over your situation, as you declare what God has said over your situation, you just might begin to see the bones rattle. Now, it's cool but I also don't like some of the thing inside this because there's sometimes before God will put things back together, he will have to displace them. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where it feels like your world shatters before God puts it back together. The, the thing that you thought would work, your, your, your incredible plan, it unravels before you, Right? And you're left going, God, everything feels dismembered and disassociated and disconnected. And, and here I am left with a pile of bones and I got no hope. Sometimes in your life, God will have to dismember things before he puts them back together. Because there's a great tragedy here in America and in Europe and wherever else you're watching that has, a, has any level of affluence. Sometimes it's easy for God to begin to put some things back together or for you to put some things back together before you start to realize, man, I've looked the part. He put things back together, but something's not right. Affluence is deceptive and it will trick you into thinking you have hope or you should have hope based upon what you have. And something interesting is about to happen. Tell us what's going to happen, Ronnie. <laughs> he says in verse 8, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. It's my tendon noise. He said, and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But look, he says, but there was no breath in them. See, they, they came together. They looked the part. But inside, there was no breath. They were dead. One of the great tragedies and one of the great deceptions of our generation is I can stand here and look the part, but inside, my soul is dead. I talked to a friend just this last week, multimillionaire. Everybody knows him. He's well-known. He's famous. And he's sitting there going, I feel like I should be more grateful. I feel like I should have more hope because my Instagram looks cooler than everybody else's. My house is cooler than everybody else's. And I got to buy one for my mom and my other family. Like everything looks good on the surface, but inside I have no hope. Ezekiel's going, God, this is not what you said. This isn't what you promised. You got halfway there. You ever been in a situation where it feels like God halfway fulfilled something? Yeah. Halfway fixed something? And you're like, he's done it again. <laughs> Left me out on a whim. This is what Ezekiel's feeling. He said, God, you, you, you got halfway there. They're, they look like they're alive, but they have no breath. And so God continues on in, in, and in verse nine of chapter 37, it says, then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Once again, this is the word ruah. He said, speak a message to the spirit, to the breath, to the winds, son of man, speak a prophetic message and say this, this is what the sovereign Lord said. 
He says, come, O breath, come the four winds, a.k.a. wind from heaven. And it says, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live. And in verse 10, it says, so I spoke the message as he commanded me. And breath came into their bodies. And they came to life. And they stood up on their feet, a great army. Now, at face value, I'm like, that's pretty stinking cool. Like God says, now now I want you to prophesy to the wind, right? Like I want want you to speak to that thing that can solve your problems. I want you to contend and to contest with this spirit that brings life. And God says that he blew on the bones. And it says they came back to life. I'm not the smartest guy, but when I'm reading this, I'm going, God, why why would you send wind to fix dry bones? Wouldn't it make more sense to like rain on them or something? They're dry. God, when my daughter gets her fingernails painted and we we want to dry them out more, we blow. Yet with the dry bones, you send wind. I'm not God, and y'all should be just clapping and celebrating that, but why wind? Right? Like, if you're going to do something, like, like, let's do some pyrotechnics or something, right? Like, make them explode and turn into people or do some sort of a magic trick where the smoke happens and people are there. Potions, you know, pokeball, do something cool. But you're going to send wind, which we cannot see. We don't know where it comes from. The Bible says, where did wind begin? Where does it end? Who, who determines where the wind goes? And God sends wind. Wind in this story is a symbol of the spirit of God. When the wind blows, I had breakfast this week and we were sitting out on a patio. And I knew that I was going to be talking about wind. And so Corey, Corey Miller, who loves Corey Miller? having breakfast with him and we're talking about wind and we're just thinking about the effects of the wind and I looked down at my arm and my arm hairs were moving from the wind. Looked over and the flowers in the flower basket next to us were moving. Looked across the street and the, the leaves were blowing. I looked down on my napkins kind of flapping and started to think, man, it, if I didn't have the perspective I could just sit here and enjoy this meal and never pay attention to the wind that's working all around me. And God, in this moment, when, when, when all hope seems lost and the, 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 the miracle gets halfway there, he sends wind. And I, I think it's significant because sometimes in our life, when we're not paying attention, when we're going through life, we're walking in and out of turmoil and back to freedom and into turmoil and back to freedom. We can sometimes miss out on the fact that there is something invisible taking place. There is a power that is at work. God is moving. You can't always see it, but if you could just take a moment and slow down, you could see that he's working all around you. I wonder... Why God sent the wind. I wonder when something feels like it's not right this week and your hope begins to waver. I wonder if you can see the wind. 
see that he's working. See that he's moving. Even though you can't see it, he still is working. He still is moving. He has not forgotten you. I wonder what situation you're in right now, what situation you'll find yourself in this week that you needed to see his spirit working in your situation. God uses wind to bring new life. Friends, please don't fall into the deception that you can find a resurrecting life, newness of life, anywhere other than the Spirit of God. For some of you, the best news that I can tell you is that you only need to look in one place. That's why we can be so desperate for God, just run after God. Because at the end of the day, it's only His Spirit, His wind, His Ruah, that can make the dead places in your life come back to life. That can make the situation that seems impossible come to fruition. You know, when you start walking with God for a while, you start doing this thing consistently, you start to realize that, you know, the moments where God met me the most profoundly, it was not on the mountaintops. It wasn't, it wasn't in, in the Garden of Eden moments where everything seemed good and fresh and pleasant. The, the moments that God met me the most profoundly was in the valley with the bones. When life was really hard. It was those places where I go, God, you, you, you are literally all that I got. I got nothing else. I can't find what I'm looking for anywhere else. I've tried. When you get to that place in the valley with the bones and all you're left with is dust and decay and heat and dryness, it just forces you to go, where does my help come from? The psalmist says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Confession number one is that my hope has to be placed in my expectation for what God has promised to me. Confession number two, if I want to have a healthy hope, the strength of my hope is not in what I see with my own two eyes. It's in his faithfulness. The Bible says that we walk by faith not by sight. I can't look at what I see and judge my hope or how much hope I should have based on what I see. It's got to be in his faithfulness. And confession number three that you need to begin to declare over your situation is that my troubles, they'll actually prove his faithfulness. There's just something about walking through trouble and God meets you there again. And then you go through another trouble and God meets you there again. Now I'm starting to understand why the apostle Paul says that I glory in tribulations. Like when hardship comes, I rejoice. Like it matters because it's in that tribulation that I realize he's faithful. And then as you begin to walk into new and more difficult territory, you go, God's got me there so he can get me here. Like God met me back there when I went through that situation. I didn't think I'd make it out alive. He can get me here too. And then you start walking with some swagger, with an unshakable hope. And just like last week when we learned when the fire is raging, you know he's with you. And even if he doesn't, 
even if he doesn't. He's working everything together for our good. If you're able, would you stand to your feet at all of our locations? I don't know what you're going through in this present moment. I don't know what burdens you're carrying. I don't know what situation in your life looks dire, that looks like it is dead, it looks like it is decaying. What situation in your life that the bones are very dry? But I've been burdened this week knowing that there's gonna be people walking in here today with very dry situations. Like, Like some of you are going through some stuff right now. And I can't necessarily speak to your situation, but the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is simple and it is effective no matter what you're walking through, no matter what situation, what hardship, Jesus Christ is Lord over all. And he says, take heart in your situation because I have overcome the world. I want to encourage some of you this weekend, this week, you need to begin declaring over your hope these three confessions. That what God says, you need to say, listen here, situation. Hear what the word of the Lord has said. And watch as your situation begins to change, as your perspective and outlook begins to change. And never for a moment forget that the only way that you and I get life and life to the full is through his spirit. So I want you to take these confessions with you, but, but I, I want us to cry out this weekend in your situation for, 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 for God to, to provide some of his ruah, his breath, his spirit. My, my, my cry this week was like, God, would you just, would you breathe on us this weekend? God, because I know there's some people that don't, if they don't walk out with hope, They're going to take their lives this week. If they don't walk out with hope, somebody's going to see another Christian not full of hope, shaking in a storm when God has provided for us hope. It's unshakable. My prayer is that Red Rocks, we just crave and we long after the Spirit of God. we need you this weekend. God, for people whose hope is weak right now. God, would you breathe upon them? God, for people that feel far from you, would you just breathe? God, for people trapped in addictions this weekend and hope seems gone because they've been here so long. God, we need you. We're desperate for you. God, we don't want to be like the children of Israel where we hear the word of God and we we do things our own way with our own will. God, we want to do things your way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to invite you into the step one of finding a hope that's unshakable and it can only be found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the invitation is really simple, that Jesus Christ died on your behalf to take away the sins of the world. He says you don't have to clean yourself up before this gift is made available to you, but he said that any should call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. 
The book of Romans says that if you confess with your mouth that God is Lord, meaning God, you can have control of my life, lead and direct and guide me wherever you please. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he died for you, you can be saved. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna lead us through a prayer. With every voice in unison, I wanna pray this together, but especially for those of you that have never given your life to Christ, this is your moment. The Bible says that today is your day of salvation. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised a few years from now. We're not promised moments after you've tried the life of the world. Like this moment is the moment of salvation. And so if you would, if you've never prayed this, I want you to pray this out loud with me. All of our Red Rocks Church family together, would you pray this? Jesus Christ, I believe that you are God. I believe that you're the only way to heaven. I believe that you're the only way to life to the full. I've tried to live life my own way. I want to learn to take on your way. Jesus, forgive me my sins. Give me new life. Breathe upon my dead soul. I want to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we celebrate people that have made that decision for the very first time? Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. This weekend, we picked some songs here on the back end of our services. We want you to lean into these songs. They have been picked deliberately, specifically, and I'm believing that over the dead situations of your life, that God is going to breathe again, and that the areas where you felt like your zeal for God has been dead, I'm believing you're going to start to see the bones shake as you begin to change your confession. So Red Rocks Church, let's worship like we never have before. Amen.